And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's Thursday, second best day of the week as we get ready to wrap this week up. Of course, yesterday, the Federal Reserve announced their latest rate commentary. Um, again, if you read the actual statement, and Michael Leibowitz is joining me this morning, and we're going to dig really into a lot of this this morning. But if you read the statement yesterday that the Fed produces, there was about three word changes, um, moderate growth, the strong growth. Um, but that was about it. I mean, basically, it was exactly the same statement that they made at the last meeting. So what changed? Well, just really kind of the market's expectations of what the Fed's going to do next. And we'll get into all those reasons why this morning. But again, that uh, sent the markets a little bit lower yesterday uh, and, and, uh, following the announcement. And again, not surprising there either because the sell-off yesterday was just basically the same as it's been at the last eight meetings. So if you go back and look over the last eight meetings when the Fed has made their announcement, the market has had the similar reaction. So what that tells us is, is that basically every meeting, the, the market goes into the meeting expecting the Fed to say, hey, this is the last rate hike. They don't say that. They say, well, there's some potential room here for maybe a little bit more. Maybe we'll hike one more time. The Fed uh, market gets disappointed. Choose that around for a couple of days and the market rallies again. So, you know, this is pretty much, you know, a, a non sequitur of, of what we've been seeing over the last year. Uh, the question is, is when is the Fed going to stop hiking rates? And that's going to be our discussion this morning is what's coming down the pike here. Uh, what might cause the Fed to stop hiking rates? And, you know, the thing that we've been talking about, that kind of that big elephant in the room, the lag effect, right? When's that lag effect ever going to show up? And again, so we will we'll get into that this morning. Outside of that, though, uh, again, this is pretty much outside of that meeting. Now, there's a not there's not a lot left here for the rest of the month um, as we start to wrap this month up, getting ready to start October. Of course, that will kick off the third quarter earnings season. We'll start getting earnings reports coming in uh, again and seeing what you know companies are saying about the economy, about inflation, what that impact is. So again, that'll be the driver really for the markets over the next month in October uh, once we start getting those earnings announcements in and start getting their views um, about the seasonally strong period of the year really as, as we get into November. We have Thanksgiving, of course, shopping for Christmas, so paying a lot of attention to retailers, what their outlook is. The National Association of, of Realtors and the National Retail Federation, they will be coming out with their annual predictions of how great things are going to be during the holidays as they always do because they're, they're supporting their industry group but we'll get start getting some news out from the national retail federation in particular about retail sales uh saying that this will be a record-breaking year for consumers and so just wait that's coming and because uh, we're always spending more of course we're spending more because of inflation um outside of that um I, again earnings have been uh, kind of wrapping up here we had a couple uh of earnings here over the last few days nothing really earth shattering uh to say the uh, say to say the least uh what well, has been interesting is really kind of watching some of these new ipos the new arm ipo which came out uh, that was a semiconductor uh, manufacturing uh, company that got spun out from SoftBank. SoftBank had bought Arm uh, about 10 years ago, had taken them private, and then 
recently spun them out, and that was, that was kind of the big exciting announcement. ARM is going to be the next NVIDIA. Uh, that stock now trading below its IPO price. Um, same thing really with the, the other IPOs that have come out over the last recent days as well. Um, they came out really not stellar um, kind of IPOs. They came out, they did well the first day, then, then sold off. And, and so there's, you know, that appetite for IPOs really hasn't, you know, shown up as everybody was kind of expecting. So again, but that's also been kind of part and part with, you know, kind of mistiming the IPO coming out in a period of seasonal weakness because the market's been selling off. And, and so as the market's been selling off here because we're in a seasonally weak period, that's taken away some of the, the impetus for these IPOs, right? There's not a lot of bullish excitement in the markets right now to drive these IPOs. So again, these we'll keep a watch on those IPOs, um, you know, and see if they start to bottom, maybe turn around a bit here. Uh, this morning, futures are pointing lower because of the Fed's announcement yesterday. A um, couple of things here, though, we're probably close to the end of whatever this corrective phase is. And the reason I say that is, is really twofold. One, we're about to head into kind of thir our third week of sloppiness. And as we've talked about before, you know, markets can only kind of, they only kind of have these selling stampedes that last for so long and then we'll get a buying stampede, so uh, back and forth. Um, but as we did talk about yesterday, you know, we said that if the market breaks out uh, of this consolidation range that it's been in, either upside or downside, there was going to be some more downside pressure. So today we're going to be looking at challenging this 100-day moving average. Could go a little bit below that. We have support here at these October lows, uh, sorry, um, these um, August lows uh, when we had that 5% correction. So again, support is going to be somewhere right around 4,300 on the S&P. And that's probably about the bottom of where we're going to get to during the sell-off. A couple of reasons for that is, A, market's getting pretty oversold here again. Yes, we did trigger a sell signal, but that sell signal triggered at a pretty low level um, relative to where we've been historically. So again, we've just kind of flopping around here a bit through the seasonally weak period. So again, we may see a little bit more selling pressure, but there's not a lot of downside risk to the markets here because the markets are already oversold here where we're getting to at this point. And we're, we're going to kind of start wrestling with um, support here. So again, don't be surprised. We opened a little bit weaker this morning. Maybe see some buying coming in later this afternoon. Um, ideally, we'll hold support right there at the 100-day moving average, which is about 4360 uh, on the S&P. Another reason, though, that um, we're kind of keeping a watch on this and thinking that we may be getting close to a temporary bottom here uh, in the market. Again, this is kind of that setup now uh, for the markets to get ready to move into a more seasonally strong period is if we take a look at volatility, we've been talking about this as of late. We said, you know, hey man, volatility has been really suppressed here. Um, we could see an uptick in volatility and we did actually see that. We saw volatility pick up over the last couple of days. Again, not surprising because the markets have been, <laughs> have been under pressure. Um, but volatility is getting pretty overbought here on a short term. So again, um, you know, on a short term basis, just over the next couple of trading days, we may see a little bit of selling pressure today, maybe see some buying this afternoon, uh, maybe see some buying tomorrow, early next week. But we're probably getting pretty close to the bottom of this particular little sell-off. We may get another rally, some more chopping around, um, you know, kind of flip-flop back and forth as Gary Shandling used to say it's, you know, sex is like a fish out of water, a lot of flopping around to have you <laughs> gasping for air. Um, you know, that's kind of the market here. Um, but after that, then, you know, kind of once we get through this period, we'll be set up as we start to move into earnings season 
and getting ready for the end of the year. But again, just kind of keep a watch on, on, on the markets itself. And again, volatility is, has, has remained suppressed, continues to remain suppressed, but it has upticked over the last few days. And again, that's not surprising with the recent sell-off. But that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Um, when we come back from the break, though, we'll get into to the Federal Reserve, everything they said yesterday or really what they didn't say, um, and talk about what the outlook is and why, in my opinion, this was actually the Fed's last rate hike, even though they said they might hike one more time this year. There's a one particular reason why I don't think that's going to happen, and we'll talk about that with Michael Leibowitz, get his opinion on it when we come back after the break. So stick around, more of the Real Investment Show coming up. Be sure to go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Michael Leibowitz's latest article out on the website now talking about term premiums and yields. Uh, again, kind of this uh, idea of what's really going on in the bond market. That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. And make sure you subscribe for this weekend's newsletter. We'll be talking a lot more about the Fed being the worst economic forecasters ever. That'll be in this weekend's newsletter on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, so I thought we'd spend, uh, you know, the first 45 minutes of the show just talking about kind of, you know, general stuff. Because, I mean, you really don't want to know much about the Fed. Um, <laughs> just joking, of course, this is what everybody, I've been getting emails all night long. Well, what does this mean? <laughs> so first thing is, is, of course, uh, the Federal Reserve, just kind of a quick recap. Federal Reserve, you know, yesterday made their announcements or September FOMC meeting. Pretty much exactly the same statement. So if you actually take a look at the, they, they, they published their written, kind of their written statement. And... You know, Mike and I talk about this all the time. If you just look at, you know, the statement, it's always the same statement. And then what they do with the statement is they just tweak a word here or there. So in the latest statement, they just tweaked talking about, you know, job growth. It was moderate to strong, right? So we had strong, strong job growth, and that's obviously been number uh, that's been obvious in the numbers we've been seeing. So, but if you actually take a look, and and a lot of people will publish this online, they'll do this kind of red line statement where they take the statement and then they use a red line to mark out, you know, the word that was changed, and they add in the new word. Um, this had very few. Like sometimes you'll see these statements, and they'll be like whole sentences that are changed. This time it was just a couple, really just a couple of words here and there. It was that almost exactly verbatim the same statement that we made last time. Uh, at the last FOMC uh, meeting. The only real difference was the hope, again, this is this is continues to be the case, the market keeps hoping for some type of magical wording that's going to come out that says, I shouldn't even say magical wording, let's just say direct to the point wording by the Fed that says, hey, we're done hiking rates. That's what the market keeps looking for. And the, and the Fed's not going to do that. Right. The Fed keeps leaving this opportunity out there that says, hey, we could hike rates one more time this year. And that's been also the same case, really, ever since the beginning of this year. We're watching the data. 
paying attention to inflation. We're going to get inflation back to our target. And if we have to hike rates more, we'll do that. Um, that disappointed the markets yesterday uh, under this assumption that the Fed might hike one more time this year. But again, that's just all an assumption by the markets and, and really an even an assumption by the Fed because ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what actually happens with inflation and economic growth. But before we get into to that, uh, we'll get Mike's uh, initial takeaway from the meeting yesterday if anything kind of struck him uh, differently. Mike, what do you think? <laughs> the long drawn out summary is higher for longer. That's it. That's what the Fed said. That's what they said at the last meeting. That's what they said at the prior the meeting mm -hmm. prior to that. The Fed hasn't said anything new in a long time. It's like you said, the statement was literally they changed a few adjectives. Basically, the gist of the changes to the whole statement was that the jobs market has slowed down a little, but but not of any concern more that it's just normalizing, which is we've known that, you know, we've seen months of data that tell us that, that there are headlines in the newspapers telling us that the, it, it's nothing new. And then, you know, probably there's two other things that are more important than the statement. One is Jerome Powell's press conference. There was nothing different in what he said than he said six weeks ago at the last press conference. Higher for longer, 2% inflation matters the most to us, getting inflation at 2%, and we will do what it takes. If we need to raise rates another time, we'll raise rates, but at this time we're data dependent, which just means that we're gonna take data as it comes in and reassess our situation. There, he really didn't say anything new. Um, and then the third, the third thing that makes this meeting a little special is on a quarterly basis, the Fed puts out their economic projections. <laughs> so what they do is they poll, I think it's 19 Fed members and ask them how they, what their forecast is for GDP, inflation, unemployment, and the Fed funds rate. And what the projection is for the end of this year, the end of 24 and 25. And um, the takeaway is that seven of the 19 said no more rate hikes. The rest of them said 12, I guess, said uh, one more rate hike. So they're leaning towards another rate hike, but again, very data dependent, and that could change on a dime. They increased, this was a little more interesting. They, they lowered their unemployment rate forecast, increased their GDP forecast for 24, by about half a percent, but left their inflation forecast unchanged. So the Fed, I think, is a little concerned that growth is going to stay robust, um, but inflation isn't going to increase. But that may force them to keep rates high. Um, right now, the Fed funds market is basically in agreement. They finally they finally get, and this was before the meeting, they finally get the higher for longer. They're really pricing in odds of another rate hike, about 30, 40%, which is about, you know, the Fed's maybe a little higher, but they're in the same ballpark. And no, no rate cuts, at least till June, July. So nine months, which is kind of where the Fed is at. Um, so the market reaction, which like you said, Lance, mm -hmm. is, almost like it 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 followed almost to a T the typical market reaction following uh, these FOMC meetings uh, the market sold off bond yields went higher um, 
but but it, it it's the same old same old it, it's a little surprising the market reaction yeah and and just by the way is and and uh, we'll be publishing this uh data in this weekend's newsletter uh the fed by the way is the worst economic forecasters on the planet they are never right they are always high and then economic growth always comes down much more than than expected and prior to 2011 the fed never made these economic projections right this was something that was started under bernanke who wanted to have this more transparency you know back in 2011 2012 and so they started publishing these quarterly forecasts from the fed and they're never right and i've been tracking them since day one so every 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 quarter when they come out i take them and i take the median of the range so they provide a range they say okay so economic growth is going to be from uh three to four percent so i'll take the median of that range three and a half percent and we'll lock that in and then we'll measure that every quarter every single quarter they start out too high and then they wind up economic growth goes lower and so again this is very normal for the federal reserve they come in have a very high prediction on economic growth and reality is going to set in and in fact um, we could uh, we are probably about to see a pretty big negative revision to GDP coming up fairly shortly. And we've and we just wrote about this in our uh, one of our blogs last Friday talking about this spread. Mike touched on it in uh, our daily commentary as well that we email out every morning at 730. Um, the spread between GDP and GDI, uh, gross domestic product versus gross domestic income. There's a very big gap right now between gross domestic product, which is estimated in gross domestic income. And what will happen is, is GDP is about to re be revised down to that GDI number. So there's about to be a very sharp revision to, you know, and a downside to GDP. And as we start to move into the next couple of quarters, all that lag effect from these rate hikes are about to start weighing on the economy. So again, this whole idea that the Fed is going to hike rates more um, and, and these strong economic growth numbers is probably not going to come to fruition. We'll see, but that's this has typically been how the Fed operates. You know, they 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 over they over predict, and then reality sets in. And then, of course, what we'll find out is that this was probably the last rate hike, um, and we may be seeing rate cuts sooner than even what the Fed thinks right now. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, let me actually correct you. So the Fed did put out economic projections prior to 2011. They just didn't. Uh, put out their expectations for the Fed funds rate. Right. So I pulled up 2008, specifically June of 2008. So by June, Bear Stearns had failed already for a couple months. Many of those larger, not, not large, but moderate to large West Coast banks had failed in 2007. A couple hedge funds had failed in 2007. And by, by June, it was starting to look more and more obvious what was coming down the pike. So let me, so what they did, their in April, they projected GDP would be in a range of 0.3 to 1.2. In June, they increased the range to 1 to 1.6. They increased inflation from 3.1 to 3.4 up to 3.8 to 4.2. PCE inflation, which they predicted in, would be a median of 4%, ended up being 0.5% by the end of that year. GDP was negative. Um, so, you know, even in the face of the storm that was becoming obvious by June of 2008, the Fed was still grossly off the mark. So, you know, I think the, the lesson is to take those projections with a 
big grain of salt. <laughs> like a like a whole teaspoon of it. Um, yes. And I, and look, and I don't know, you know, how a whole room of economists and PhDs, you know, can can be so wrong so consistently, but it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's they've never even been close to accurate uh, from the and, and it's just kind of like Wall Street estimates on earnings. They always start out high, then they get ratcheted down, and, and they're just never right. And, and then we get to the actual earnings announcement, and everybody's like, ooh, hey, look how, look how good we are. Um, but it's amazing how wrong the Fed is consistently on economic growth. And these are the guys running monetary policy, which in, in a way is a little bit scary. <laughs> and know? the numbers I read you were a range of 19 people. Yeah. So 19 of them. Right. None of them saw it coming, and they all thought rate would be higher than they did in April. Yeah. And I guess is you know I guess it's just groupthink. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's you know you're kind of looking at this lagging data and the data you know again you know right now the economy the economy looks fine right and so if if I'm if I'm a Fed member, I'm looking at unemployment you know relatively low and economic growth kind of taking along here. The Atlanta Fed says you know 5.9 percent economic growth for the third quarter. Um, I guess that's a reason to be optimistic, but you know, it would seem at some point they would be looking forward going, okay, all the stuff that we're doing is probably going to wind up slowing the economy since that's why we're doing it in the first place. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, we'll come back more to go on this as uh, we talk about the impact on markets, the bond market in particular, and of course, uh, what the outcome is going to be for the economy coming up next here with Michael Leibowitz. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com and welcome back to the show this morning so i want to touch on uh, a very interesting wall street journal this morning Two articles out this morning. Of course, everybody's talking about the Fed. So, of course, we're, we're going to talk about the Fed. we got to do what everybody else is doing, right? Um, two articles by the Fed this morning. Don't buy the Fed's rate projections. Article one. Article two. Higher rates not just for longer, but maybe forever. This is the same, this is the same publication, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I did want to read to you uh, this uh, clip, I, you know, because this is something that gets thrown around a lot, and it's a lot of nonsense. But it gets thrown around a lot to try to get headlines. It's talking about the neutral rate. This matters to, and this is from the Wall Street Journal. This matters to any investor, business, or household who plans to depend on interest rates over a decade or longer. Now, that's that's a fair statement. Fair statement. I mean, if, if I'm going to be making an investment into a company or I'm going to build a plant, something like that, let's say I'm going to build a a, uh, a nuclear reactor, right? It takes 10 years, right? So if, if I've got to plan for something that takes 10 years just to build it, I've got to really understand kind of what inflation and interest rates are going to be and the cost of my money, my capital, my opportunity costs. I got to understand all that, right? So, it, so this idea of Understanding long-term implications of interest rates and, and inflation is very important. 
So let me continue. It could explain why long-term treasury rates have risen sharply over the past few months and why stocks are struggling. The neutral rate, now here's, here's the key, the, 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 the two key sentences here. And I want you to think about this, and we're going to talk about this. The neutral rate isn't literally forever, but that captures the general idea, right? So that's the long-term rate that the Federal Reserve is looking at. In the long run, neutral is a function of very slow-moving forces, demographics, the global demand for capital, the level of government debt, and investors' assessments of inflation and growth risk. The neutral rate can't be observed. I'm still reading from the Wall Street Journal, not my opinion. The neutral rate can't be observed, only inferred by how the economy responds to particular levels of interest rates. If the current rates aren't slowing demand or inflation, the neutral rate must be higher, and therefore monetary policy isn't tight. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Because this, this falls into the nonsense bucket. <laughs> we just passed $1.7 trillion in spending, and there's been about $70 billion put into basically, you know, new projects for climate change, green energy, blah, 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 right? So that's creating demands for jobs. And, and so we're building a, a big uh, semi-manufacturing plant, like $44 or $5 billion in North Carolina, those type of things. So lots of stuff of government money being put into the economy that's creating short-term economic activity. Of course, we still have the lag effect of all the stimulus payments, the, you know, the sequester of, of student loan payments, et cetera, still floating through the economy. That's about to change. So is the neutral rate really capturing what is happening long term in the economy or is the neutral rate right now, if you could observe it, a function of what is lagging in the economy? Now, now let's go back to the key factors here of, of what the long term projections are going to look like. And, I'm a, and, and, and as soon as I say this, I'm going to turn this over to Mike. But I want you to think about this in particular. Where are demographics headed in this country? If you don't have, just as a function, economic growth is a function of population growth. So where are demographics headed in this country? Right? Think about birth rates, those type of things. What is the actual global demand for capital? And where is that headed longer term? And particularly, what is the global demand for capital when interest rates and inflation are high? What happens to that? What happens in regards to the level of government debt? Is that increasing or decreasing? And what is the impact of more debt on economic growth and inflation long term? So if you think about that, then how do you square that with the neutral rate being either higher or lower? Mike, your opinion. It doesn't make sense. That was the gist of my article, uh, which came out yesterday, that the market and the, you know, the Fed's alluding to it in their projections, but the market is pricing for much higher growth than we've been trending. So if you look at a graph of economic growth for the last 30 years, it's been trending lower. Currently, that trend line, so, you know, you, you draw a line that just cuts through it, that trend line is about 1.9%. Over the next 10 years, that trend line gets you to 1.6%. So the question we all face, the Fed, investors, people building factories, nuclear plants, whatever 
you know, a, a lot of business decisions are based on what's that economic rate going to be for the next 10 years. So you look at demographics, you you look at debt usage, government debt, and you also look at productivity, which I'm kind of surprised I didn't mention in that article. Demographics, like you said, are just getting worse. Not not awful. It just means their contribution to growth will be less and less going forward as our population ages, as we restrict immigration. The population growth is almost at a standstill now. The percentage of older people to younger people, that ratio will continue to grow. These numbers are baked in the cake. This isn't going to change uh, anytime soon, at least. And, and it's going on around the world. So, so contribution to growth from around the world has the same demographic problems. Productivity growth has been slowing also for 30 years. I know it's sound, you know, we got the internet, we got these digital cashiers now, we got all kinds of newfangled technology, we got AI now. But the bottom line is that productivity growth has been declining. So productivity is still increasing, but at a lesser rate year in and year out. And that's also a global trend, at least the major developed markets. So, and government debt, that's a big one. And we've talked about this. Government debt has what's called a negative multiplier. So the government borrows money, they spend it. Initially, that helps the economy. They, they're building the semiconductor plant. They're doing whatever they're doing. They're spending it. It goes into the economy. It gets respent and respent. But over time, the benefit wanes, and it's usually within a couple of years, depending on how they do it and the type of projects, but it's usually relatively quickly. And then the cost of that debt is actually a headwind for the economy. And if you look over the long term of these deficits, there's actually negative economic growth associated with them over the long run. So you know where the Wall Street Journal comes out saying that those factors are going to lead to higher growth is bunk. Um, <laughs> and so what I well, and I think I think what's interesting, Mike, is is that even if you take a look at the Fed's own long-term projections, um, and this was right. in the report yesterday, what was the long? Or I, you, and you may have seen it or not. So I'll, I'll ask you the question. You can tell me if you saw it or not. Um, but even the Fed predicts they say. Over the long run, the economy is going to grow at a rate, right? And they say, what's that long-term rate? And it's certainly not suggesting that if the long-term rate is, is, is low, which it is, that you're going to have a higher neutral rate within the economy because inflation and interest rates are going to track what the long-term growth of GDP is going to be. And, and do you happen to know what that rate was? I do. So... Like I said, the trend right now is 1.9. The 10-year trend gets the ten, the trend in 10 years. That trend line's about 1.65. Mm -hmm. Their long run is 1.8. So their long run isn't 10 years. I think it's three to five years. Yep. So if you plot that 1.8 on my line that goes from 1.9 to 1.65, it's probably right on the line. Yeah. So and and 1.8% and growth is not you know, exceedingly strong. You know, we used to consider 2% economic growth pre-2000. We used to consider 2% economic growth pre-recessionary. We were just hoping we could stay above 2%. If you were below 2%, you were worrying about a recession. Now we're like going, man, if we get 1.8%, we're killing it. <laughs> you know, right. that's not really, and particularly over three or four years, five years, 
if you're talking about economic growth going from you know three percent growth to to 1.8 percent growth that certainly doesn't suggest that you're going to have you know rampant inflation and and higher wages and much stronger economic and, and demographic you know product production going on right and in 2007 that trend line that i was talking about, and again it wavers all around the trend line but mm -hmm. the trend line was around 2.4 right so currently it's one nine so we've dropped about half a percent over the last called 15 years and we've and we tripled our debt and right there's more debt as a percentage of gdp it's not just that there's more debt it's more leverage yeah and demographics have gotten worse since 2007 and productivity growth continues to slow yeah and that, and that and so i you know i find it interesting you know that you know you know, we're all trying to, you know, the, the media is trying to figure out every way possible we're coming up. And then again, you know, this whole idea of the neutral rate, it's it's fine. Right. And what the neutral rate is in theory is, is just the level where the economy, where interest rates kind of match what the economy can can generate. Right. And so that's what's kind of called the neutral rate. And it's it's you can't observe it. Right. We, we try to come up, you know, everybody tries to come up with kind of a measure of what the neutral rate neutral rate might be. But we really don't have any idea what the neutral rate actually is. It's just a guesstimate of, you know, what's going on. What we're going to find out is that monetary policy is probably very restrictive. And we'll talk about the coming lag effect and you know this whole impact of of negative revisions to economic growth we come back from the break with michael Leibowitz. don't go away Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So, welcome back to the show this morning. So, just getting ready to kind of wrap up our conversation about the Fed rate hike yesterday. Well, not the Fed rate hike, but the, uh, the Fed announcement yesterday and this uh, idea of. of maybe another rate hike coming this year um again not my opinion but i'll just read to you from the wall street journal this morning um the fed's new projections also indicated that policymakers may expect to uh, hike rates at least one more time this year projecting one last rate increase is also a way of preventing investors from immediately turning to the next question when will the fed cut rates it's easier to take that option away than it is to add it on later, basically, is what this article is talking about. And so, in other words, it was kind of logical for the Fed to say, hey, you know what, we might need to hike rates one more time this year if economic growth kind of keeps going along here. And so it's easier to leave that option out there because if not, then they'd come in and, and what would have happened today if, if the Fed had said yesterday kind of gave the hint that they were done hiking rates, the market would probably be up 3% this morning. Right. And, and so you would have this immediate rush by the markets like, oh, the Fed's not hiking rates are going to start cutting any time now. 
So it was easier for the Fed and, and more logical to leave that hanging out there that, hey, you know what, we might need to hike rates one more time. It's easier. And, and the Fed's never going to come out, by the way. The Fed is never going to come out and say, ladies and gentlemen, we have achieved, mission accomplished. We are no longer hiking rates. They're never going to tell you. It's like an IRS audit. The IRS never tells you the audit's over. They just stop emailing you stuff. <laughs> And you stop getting letters in the mail. But that's how you know it's over. But they never come out and tell you, say, you know, Mr. Clinton, congratulations, you passed your audit. <laughs> Unless you get a refund. That, the only time you know an audit's over is if you get a refund back. But if there's no refund due, it's like you never know. But you know, the point, though, is, is the Fed's never going to tell you they're done hiking rates. Um, they're just going to stop hiking rates. And then at some meeting down the road, they're going to cut rates again. And then, then you'll know it's over at that point. Um, but this, the, but but this whole idea of you know, kind of everybody clinging on to every moment of of every word that the Fed says is kind of ridiculous, because what's coming is what's going to drive policy in the future. And to, and, and again, you know, the market's kind of hanging on to this idea of this soft landing uh, that we're going to just you know, kind of glide slowly down into a softer economic growth environment, and we won't go into a recession. But considering we've had the most aggressive rate hiking campaign in history and all those monetary supports are coming out of the market, the risk of a recession is probably a lot higher than even the Fed thinks at this point. And, and so, you know, we could be talking uh, this time next year, we could be talking a very different story about the Federal Reserve, and we may be talking about rate cuts this time next year and the fact that we're now cutting rates because the economy is a lot weaker than what even the fed thought this year mike your point well uh, here's what's fascinating after everything we've talked about on this show and what the fed said and did yesterday jerome powell yesterday said that a soft landing is not his baseline expectation mm -hmm. so a, a soft landing is where the economy slows maybe a little bit more steadies out and then continues kind of at its natural growth rate. It would be nirvana. It, it's something that really has never happened before after a series of rate hikes. Right. Um, but Jerome Powell said that's not his baseline expectation. Ergo, his baseline expectation must be, you know, either complete, you know, no growth or even a recession. Right. So despite everything you see in those economic projections and those forecasts, Jerome Powell is telling you he thinks there's probably going to be at a bare minimum no growth. Right. As a result of of these Fed hikes, as a result of just the economy normalizing as so you got an you have an economy normalizing back to its normal growth rate, which again is let's just say two percent. But with the stiffest headwinds that, that we've seen in 20 years in a form of high interest rates in a more leveraged economy. So Jerome Powell is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. The odds of a soft landing should be very low because normally they don't happen. And now you have even greater forces at work <laughs> than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, there's only, there's only one, in, you know, when you go back through history, whenever the Fed has hiked rates, it, it has always led to a recession or some other type of e event. And, you know, everybody points to 1995, right? It's right. like, oh, well, we did have a soft landing in 1995. And really the question is, is did we actually? Um, did we actually have a soft landing? Yeah, we didn't have a recession. It was delayed. 
until 2000. But, you know, you had the Asian contagion, you had long-term capital management where the Fed was having to bail everything out. I mean, you know, you had a whole lot of events that were the direct result of higher interest rates from the Fed, um, you know, at this you kind of at this in the middle of this whole dot com, you know, kind of blow up that we had going on within the economy and, and the markets. So, you know, yeah, there's this kind of one thing that everybody focuses on. They go, well, there was this time, right, <laughs> that little Jimmy hit the home run. You know, most of the time, little Jimmy can't get off for, off home plate. But, you know, it's it's that's, you know, and this is the thing that, you know, the, the Fed's hoping for, and the, or at least the markets are hoping for, is that this is going to be the one time that we actually achieve this nirvana. And there's really not much evidence, and particularly in today's economy with the, the again, going back to our conversation, the debts, the deficits, um, you know, the, the impact on consumers, the resumption of student loan payments, you know, all these type of things that are coming, it seems very unlikely that you're going to avoid a recession, um, you know, within the next, you know, year or so. So, Lance, there's actually another one. Okay. And there's probably a few in history, but there's probably a more important and bigger one. That was right around 1927. The economy. Oh, yeah. Was, I forgot about that one. Yeah. That one. The economy was starting to falter. The markets were selling off. Remember, the 20s were a good decade. Um, and you had some decent speculation in the markets, markets were getting kind of frothy. And the economy started selling off, markets started selling off, and the Fed started throwing money into the economy, mm -hmm. to the markets. You then had a spectacular two years of, you had great economic growth, and you also had a stock market that was booming. Right. Permanently high plateau. At, yep. And, you know, the, you, you know the rest <laughs> of the story, but they bought themselves two years. Right. Well, and again, and, this, and, and lost a decade after that. Right. Well, and again, and, may, and the question is, is, is that what we've been doing over the last few years? You know, we shut down the economy, you know, and we go back to 2019, right, as an example. The Fed was cutting rates to zero in early 2019. Um, in September of 2019, they were doing reverse repo to bail out hedge funds. There was a lot of economic evidence that we were heading towards a recession in 2019. Now, maybe it wouldn't have happened in early 2020, had we not had, had, had you know, X the pandemic out, right? Let's just take the pandemic out, throw it away. Didn't ever occur. We never shut down the economy. There was already evidence, the National Federation of Independent Business Surveys and a variety of others all suggested that the economy was heading into a recession. Maybe it wouldn't have been 2019. Maybe it would, I mean, sorry, 2020. Maybe it had been, you know, early 21. But we were heading towards a recession. The, the shutdown of the economy just, just kind of front-loaded the whole thing. Um, and so and so the question is, is, you know, did we just literally are we still kind of in that place for having that recession that we were already starting to in 2019? And we just bought ourselves, you know, two or three or four years with all that liquidity that we threw into the markets. And and we're still going to have to pay for that recession at some point in the next couple of years. And, and what the Fed is doing, not what they're saying, but what they're doing is forcing us into a recession. Right. If mm -hmm. you just look at where rates are versus where they've been and how much debt there is, they're forcing us into a, a recession. They're almost tempting a financial crisis, something breaking, as we like to say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they like to paint this rosy scenario of soft landing, but they're trying to induce much more. Now, when things weaken and 
you know, or if a crisis kind of starts up. And we saw that in March with the banking crisis, the Fed will lower rates and they will try to mitigate everything they've done. But th this is where the lag effects are huge. Lag effects work both ways. It takes a while for the rate hikes to affect the economy, but it also takes a while for lower rates to help the economy. So, you know, I, I guess the, the question on everybody's mind is, what do you think happens next year? I mean, um, you know, this we've got a couple more. We got one more meeting in November of this year and then one in December. Um, so we've got two meetings left this year. Do you think the Fed uh, changes stance by the end of the year? Or do you think going it will be sometime next year? I mean, if the economy really slows down, yeah, they'll change stance. Or if there's some sort of crisis brewing, they'll change stance. But I think the Fed has basically the Fed has told us they got one more rate hike in them. They can't use it because if they use it, then everyone starts saying they're done. <laughs> they, 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 they're done and they'll cut. Right. So they're going to keep that big stick hanging over the market that we may raise rates. And by doing that, the market won't bring up the cut word. It's, right. you know, they're, they're basically paused. So I, I think we're going to see, assuming the economy stays where it's at, the markets are fine, there's no crisis, nothing going on globally. I think what we saw yesterday is what we're going to see at the next, that there's two more meetings left. They're going to be virtually identical. They're going to change two adjectives in the statement. And, uh, you know, they'll keep threatening to raise rates one more time. And maybe they will. But, you know, I, I think they're better off just leaving it out there as right. the threat. Yeah, I think that's I think that, you know, sums it up very well. Again, you know, the it, anything the, the Fed is so closely scrutinized by the markets is that anything that any door that they crack open, the market's going to run right through that saying, oh, they're done. We're going to start cutting rates. You know? So, uh, you know, and, and what the Fed doesn't really want is is to uh, inflate a stock market bubble in the midst of them trying to bring down inflation. So, Mike, thanks so much uh, for your time today. Uh, get his latest article on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, that article was published out yesterday morning, so it's on the website now for you. And also make sure you subscribe for this weekend's newsletter. Make sure you subscribe and like to this channel uh, so we can keep you up to date with all of our videos as well. And, uh, of course, also subscribe to our daily market commentary. It comes out every morning uh, at 730, right on the nose. You'll get an email with our kind of market update for the day and, and some interesting little tidbits about three-minute read, kind of get you set up for the trading day. All that on the website for free, loanvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow with Danny Ratliff, Richard Russell for Financial Fitness Friday. Have a great day.